Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a licensed professional counselor with a group practice here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I specialize in women as well as maternal mental health. Here on the podcast, we'll talk about womanhood, motherhood, and a little bit of everything in between. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. Hello, this is Rose Horton. I am the founder and CEO of Antonia and Grace. We are a company that provides nurse navigators, doulas, and lactation consultants for Black, Indigenous, and people of color. This company was created because the BIPOC community does not feel listened to or heard in healthcare. It is also important to call out that we are three to four times more likely to die in childbirth. Visit us at AntoniaAndGrace.com to see how we support sacred and joyful births. Get the help you need from bump, birth, boob, and beyond. Classes and on-demand expert care providers in person or virtual. Why Boober? Boober is driven by their mission to transform healthcare experiences and outcomes for expecting parents and new families. When you ask for help, they answer. Go to getboober.com. Refresh your self-care routine with G. Michelle's books, Self-Explore, Self-Restore, and The Self-Care Investment. Feel like you need to spice up your self-care routine? Need a guided journal? Self-Explore, Self-Restore helps you to learn what you need to take care of yourself better. And even greater than that, check out the self-care investment. It is created to help you create consistent and practical habits to make your self-care a daily routine. Go to gmichelle.com to check out all of their greatest self-care books. Thank you for joining me again for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. And I am joined by an old friend, Ebony Foreman. Hi, Ebony. Hi, Keish. (laughs) Okay, so Ebony, I met in 2000. Six, wow, you that? Yeah, at <laughs> Chick-fil-A. We worked at Chick-fil-A in Riverdale. Mm-hmm. The black chi- Chick-fil-A. <laughs> mm-hmm. The very black Chick-fil-A that serves steak and hamburgers. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, right, I know. It's like such a contradiction, right? <laughs> it's a very much a contradiction. <laughs> and I remember you were from California and I remember you're like part Cuban, right? You're like Afro-Cuban? Mm-hmm. Huh. My dad on my dad's side. Look at that memory. <laughs> what a great memory. And I also remember the the interesting thing about Ebony is that she is hilarious. Like you are just a very humorous person. <laughs> and also another tall friend because I'm always yes. the tall person. And it's like, oh, yes. finally, somebody else who's tall. <laughs> right. I don't have to duck down and take pictures. I know. <laughs> and you are also a boy mom just like me. <laughs> yes. Are your boys, how far apart are your boys? Three years. Okay. You waited a little. You did the a little bit longer thing, which I probably should have But <laughs> we're like, it's not that far off, though. Gotcha. Okay, so let's get to it. Um, how? Okay, did you always know you wanted to be a mom? No. Did you? Really did you no. stumble into I, it? <laughs> very, very quick answer. No. I tell people that all the time because 
I think when people are moms and we were just talking about social media and how they feel like you're thriving through your motherhood mm-hmm. and you're like, you're a great mom, you're an awesome mom and et cetera, et cetera, because I make social media make me look like an awesome <laughs> mom. Uh, <laughs> I think people automatically just feel like sometimes women just have a natural inkling to uh, once they become married, want to be a mom. Um, I actually uh, wasn't opposed to motherhood, but it definitely wasn't on my top five. Mm. Um, marriage wasn't even on my top five, to be honest. Um, but when I got married, um, to my husband, we've been married seven years and together eight, and we got married pretty quickly after knowing each other. Um, I think it became a thought that I didn't think was possible. And so I got more inclined to the idea of it. But before being with my husband, um, I got diagnosed with PCOS, um, Hmm. Maybe when I was like 26, mm-hmm. I'm 36 now. Um, so about a decade ago. And, um, you know, they give you anytime you're diagnosed with something, they just give you like the scaries, I feel like, yeah. of it all. But one thing I took out of it um, from the doctor I had at the time, she was like, you know, you'll have anxiety and depression, which makes sense because I suffer with anxiety and depression for a long time mm-hmm. and not realizing like what's um, why. Yeah. And so that helped me kind of have clarity. But infertility is a big thing with PCOS it can be um it doesn't naturally happen for women sometimes um with PCOS you have to go through certain channels and avenues to become a mother and I felt like when I was told that I was like oh girl I'm not doing that I'm not about to be doing all these needles and in vitros and all that if it's supposed to happen it's supposed to happen so I think that was part of the mentality of me of being like I'm not gonna probably be a mom I'm gonna be an awesome aunt Mm. Because you know, your brother, did mom, your brother I have, have a lot of kids in my life, so it's fine. Your brother has, does he have twins? So that's another reason I was like, it's fine. My brother <laughs> has several kids. So my brother has um, five kids. Mm. Um, he has um, his him and his him and his wife have a set of twins, mm-hmm. and they uh, my brother has a set of twins from a previous relationship. So that's wow. two sets of twins, and then my um, sister in law had a son previous. So. That's five kids all together. Yes. Yeah, so he's had two sets of twins. I don't know. I feel like I got infertile. My brother got double fertile. <laughs> Every time he's shooting double off the barrel. Um, but yeah, I just had so many other kids in my life. Like it didn't, I wasn't even that sad about um, the possibility of me of not being a mom mm-hmm. because I was just like, there's so many other things I could fill my life with, but. I'm glad I am. I love it, but I definitely didn't think it was in the cards for me initially. Gotcha. So when you found out you were pregnant, was it shocking, exciting, or what was that like? So it was very shocking. And um, so when we finally decided, my husband and I, that we wanted to have kids, my husband on the other end of the spectrum wanted to have, if I could be pregnant every year on the year, (laughs) yeah. He wanted to have a lot of kids, which we compromised on that. But um, when we finally decided that we both wanted to have kids, about a, two years into our marriage, we started trying and trying, and it wasn't happening. And then, of course, all the stuff that I knew kind of reared itself. But um, we got to a period, and I got to a period where I became depressed, mm. and it was just like... I felt guilty because, you know, I was in these groups and people were trying for years, mm-hmm. like 10 years and weren't getting pregnant. And I was crying over two. 
And I started feeling not only depressed about my situation, but guilty for feeling like, why hasn't happened for me? And I'm like, well, these women have waited so long and I'm just two years. Like, why am I doing this to myself? So um, it got to a point where for my mental health, we had to just take a break from going to the doctor. And um, I never did in vitro, but we did other things before in vitro that could create um, what we needed to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so after all that stuff kind of didn't work in my time frame, I kind of needed to take a break. My husband was like, this is not working. This is tearing us apart because mm-hmm. you're just so uh, you know sad about it. So we stopped. And then, of course, once you stop planning, God is like, ha ha. So we got pregnant unbeknownst to us. Mm. And it was, I found out actually the day before my birthday, I had like this big crying falling out, like emotional drag out. And I thought it was because I was turning like a new age. And I was like, I'm just so depressed about my birthday or something. I don't Mm. know. And my husband was like, when did you have your period? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, I know this is weird because we're not really trying, but maybe you should take a test. I had like a gazillion of them. Um, So I took a test and I was like, I'm pregnant. And he was like, huh? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) It was a big (laughs) surprise because um, we had stopped trying. And in our minds, we had compartmentalized that to be like, you know what? Let's try again in like a year. Like, Mm. let's just put it off. Let's just have fun. Let's just be married. So um, it was a great surprise, but I was scared my whole pregnancy. Mm. Like every single day. Scared like like you were fearful that you weren't going to make it? I just thought, this is too good to be true. Mm. I wasn't supposed to get pregnant this easy because the doctors had told me it was not going to be easy. Mm. And not only for me having PCOS, my husband had something that wasn't um, normal for his sperm. Um, Not that it was bad, but it wasn't normal that generally men need to have to instantly get someone pregnant. So I was just like, the cars are stacked against us. This baby, I'm going to get, I'm glad I can get pregnant, but I don't think this is the baby that we're going to have. So I was, I was very scared like day to day from my pregnancy. I, I, I hit it, I think very well from everybody. I don't even think my mom knew that until later, but I was like terrified every single day that I was going to like miscarriage or have not have this baby. And I don't think I got unscared until my baby shower. And that's because my baby shower was like one week before I delivered. Mm. So it was like, okay, I'm, I'm full term at this point. I can somewhat relax my friends were like you need a baby shower and i was like mm. i was just so scared to plan to be yeah. excited about it i had my baby shower my son my first son was late late at 41 weeks and mm. i had my baby shower at 40 weeks wow <laughs> <laughs> i literally had my baby shower and had my baby the next week i was just so nervous i was so scared i was scared to kind of outwardly celebrate so much yeah i took a couple of maternity pictures but i didn't do a lot of like i think i did a video i didn't do a lot of pictures mm-hmm. i just was nervous and um i think that's why i was such a shock and surprise because i didn't think it was supposed to happen mm. um and it really kind of spiraled into like every day was that same reading the pregnancy test like that's how i felt like i was reading the pregnancy test every day for yeah. 41 weeks until my baby came out of my belly right which i mean i think that's really like common and mm-hmm. relatable for a lot of women who may feel like they shouldn't like they have like somewhat of an imposter syndrome or like mm-hmm. this wasn't supposed to be me and then to have to carry that anxiety because you did you work the entire pregnancy i worked the entire pregnancy um 
Oh, we're entire. I, I'm just a workaholic too, so I don't like to like be not idle. I get bored quick. But yeah, I worked until um, I think my boss made me stop working like the week of my baby shower. She was oh, like, wow. "All right, girl, you're fine." <laughs> um, and I went back to work pretty early too. So, um, but yeah, I, I worked vastly much of my pregnancy. Mm. So, what was labor and delivery like? So for my first son. Um, of course I, after I finally figured out I was having a baby, this is happening. Um, I had all these plans. I researched, I was like, I have a birthing plan. They're paying Beyonce. Mm. I got my candles. We're doing this. Mm -hmm. We're having natural birth. We're doing the things, right? So, um, you know, because my son was a week late, unbeknownst to me, if I would have known I now that I know then I would have waited longer but I was like get this baby out of me do what you got to do so I got induced at 41 weeks and um the first step was um, Pitocin Mm -hmm. uh, which you know pushes you right into breaking your water and all that stuff so the Pitocin did not work Mm. um it definitely broke my water it definitely did all those things but my son was like so (laughs) 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 I'm still staying in so they did this other thing. I don't know the medical term for it, but um, they virtually, uh, this is a lot of information, but this is a mother's podcast. Mm-hmm. They stick um, like a small straw-like tube into your vaginal cavity and oh, then yeah, yeah. it up yeah, yeah, yeah. like a big-ass balloon. I had that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was the most uncomfortable mm-hmm. pain yeah. I've ever felt in my life. I was like, okay, if this don't work, never mind. So <laughs> that was uncomfortable. That finally got the juices flowing. And then um, all of a sudden, my son decided that he didn't want his heart to beat anymore. So um, mm-hmm. after that, I guess, I think I told him, I was like, we pissed my son off. Like, he was like, I wasn't ready to come and y'all are forcing me. So his start, his heart stopped. So I had to brush into an emergency cesarean. Oh, wow. Um, which I don't really remember a lot of it because at that point, they're like sticking you, trying to get you numb enough. But had an emergency cesarean. Um, and then pull my baby out, of course. Um, the one thing that I hated is that I didn't have my mom in the room. I had my husband, but I didn't have my mom in the room. So I'm like, you know, I, I remember when I finally came to and they had the baby, I was just like, why is he crying? Why is he crying? Because again, I still had that fear in the back of my mind. Yeah. I'm like, nothing is going right. So mm-hmm. like, so um, he wasn't crying initially. And my husband, I'm like, what's going on? And my husband is being a man. He's like, I don't know. Um, and I was like, go get my mama. Like, mm. please. So it was kind of traumatic, uh, but he ended up crying. Clearly, he's going to be five in May. But um, <laughs> he ended up crying, and um, he was okay. And then my second son, I was determined to have a vaginal birth. I was like, we're going to do it. They said I could have a V-back, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And um, my water broke. Everything went. Oh, wow. Like, I was like, yeah. And then they told me the whole time, like, your baby's breached. We can turn him if you want, but you know, he's very long. My son was born 24 inches. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're tall. How tall is your I husband? I am tall. I'm 6'2. Um, he, him and my first son are probably about an inch shy of each other. Like they're one oh, size wow. behind. Like yeah. they can wear the same size clothes and they're two years apart. Oh, wow. So my second son is going to be Shaquille O'Neal and The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna be ginormous. Yeah. 
Um, so he was like literally from under my breast to all the way like to my thigh bone. Oh my I feel goodness. like so like turning him would have just not even done it. So even though I could have pushed him out, um, being breached and just me not being comfortable with. Uh, you know, knowing enough about a breach delivery, which is a thing, but I just wasn't comfortable with it. I had another cesarean, but this one was planned. It was more relaxed. I got my Beyonce this time. Mm. My doctor was very um, assuring and calm. He was like, you need the ox score? What do you want to play? You know, he talked me through everything. I was more conscious. Um, clearly, I didn't feel nothing but mm-hmm. pulling and tugging. Um but that cesarean was less traumatic because it was planned. I knew about it. Um, and I just felt a little bit more in control. And I think it assured me that, you know, vaginal births are awesome. But so are cesareans. I Absolutely. think a lot of times people downplay them. But, yeah. you know, if you have to have one, it, whether you, you know, want to or not, like, the baby is going to come out. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. the baby out. So, yeah, I had two cesareans back to back, but I don't regret it, um, especially planning the second one. I think um, it was the best method for me and my kids to come out mm-hmm. of it successfully. So right. I'm glad that I did the second one as well. Now, did you have anxiety throughout the pregnancy with your second? With Josiah, yes. my second, I was so happy. Mm. Um, I will say that Funny enough, the second one we did plan, but we were like, well, we had so much trouble the first time, or I don't want to say so much trouble, but in our minds, it didn't happen the way that we wanted to happen the first time, that we need to go ahead and like start now if we want to have a kid in a year or so. <clears throat> so we started trying in August. I got pregnant in October. Wow. Right. It happened very fast. So, like we were just like astonished and we had used the method to track my ovulation um there's this digital ovulation thing so we used all the tools um to track it so we were you know, like on time with everything but we just didn't realize that it would happen so fast mm-hmm. and so what i've learned is that psos can sometimes start reversing itself as well those cysts on your ovaries and all those other things that can um, create infertility can sometimes be uh start reversing as you start you know, creating life. Mm-hmm. So I guess this time my womb was like, yes, let's get the babies in me. So um, after I got over the shock of it happening so fast, I mean, <clears throat> I thought it was a girl because I was so oppositely happy. Mm-hmm. Like my first one, I wasn't sad, but I just, I think I was just so scared the whole time. But this yeah. time I was so joyful and I felt like so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is a girl. Look at this girl making me glow. Yeah. My skin, my hair, I just feel great. I want to dress up every day. They were like, a boy. And I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. But yeah, my second pregnancy, um, it was amazing. I did maternity pictures and, um, you know, I didn't do a baby shower this time because we had back-to-back kids, but mm-hmm. I did a gender reveal and I just wanted to do like all the things that I think I was scared to do mm. um, the first time with my second. Um, but it was a very joyful pregnancy the only like I would say uh not joyful thing was knowing that I initially wanted to push the second one out and couldn't because he was a basketball player inside my belly but (laughs) um, other than that it it was it was an amazing um journey to have some a child just within two years and have them very get conceived quickly yeah have a very healthy pregnancy I mean I didn't even throw up 
Oh, wow. I didn't really get a lot of motion sickness. I mean, like, I literally, like, he really embraced any any good parts of me um, during that pregnancy. So that one, that pregnancy made me, like, very assured that, yeah. like, I'm supposed to be a mom. Oh, that's like, wonderful. That's yeah. good that it was better yeah. the second time around. And you also, like, embraced it, celebrated it, was mm-hmm. present in it. Now, with your first, being that it was, like, an emergency C-section... And you had already been anxious. Do you feel like you had, like, after everything was said and done, was it a moment to wrap your your head around all of the stuff that had happened, like, during the C-section? Since it was so quick and he wasn't breathing and then he was fine. Mm -hmm. Or do you feel like you adjusted well? I definitely missed it. Um, I feel like I had to, I still to this day sometimes when we're talking about just whatever with my husband and since my mom wasn't in the room, um, I asked them all the time, like, what happened? Like, I didn't even know the weight of my son for, like, almost seven months. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even remember because I don't keep his birth certificate around. So, like, I don't remember them calling out those numbers. I don't remember. I was, like, I was very above the situation at that yeah. point. So there was a lot of it that I don't recall. And I think that's why the second time around when I finally just wrapped my mind around that this is how I have to um, deliver my son I had a conversation with the doctor, like, listen, I know I have to have a cesarean, but I want to be the most present I can be in the cesarean as possible. Mm -hmm. I know you're not putting me to sleep, but I want to be the most present in this. Like, I want you to make sure whatever you have to do, do it in just in necessity. Like, don't over drug me. Just give me the basics. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to listen to music. I want to feel like I want you to talk me through it. I want you to tell me, like, I'm I'm cutting you now. I'm doing mm. this now. Mm-hmm. I'm pulling his leg out now. I'm with, like, and he was very um, gracious and obliged to everything. I mean, he literally talked me through every single step to the point my husband was like, I, I got to, this. I'm about to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> it's too Why much. Why did you ask it's for this? It's too much. <laughs> Like, I am throwing up in my mouth. It's gross. <laughs> but I just wanted to be so, if I couldn't, like, you know, physically be there to see my child come out of my you know canal I was like I want to be able to hear and you know understand every single thing that you're doing Mm. not only to my body but to my son to deliver him yeah so um yeah I think the first time I was so I, I can't tell you nothing yeah okay like literally from the moment they uh gave me the balloon thing to when I was holding my baby in the aftercare part, that moment of time is like a blur. Mm. So I'm so glad that the second time I kind of remembered, didn't remember that I remembered yeah. that and was cautious to have a conversation with the medical team to be like, listen, this cesarean has to feel like this in order for me to feel comfortable about it. Because it's, it's already a thing where you have this sheet up, yeah, you know, you can't see, your husband can't see, you can't really have that moment mm-hmm. like that. Um, so the verbal confirmations of having that moment and hearing what they're doing and talking me through it, I think made me feel connected to the delivery um, more so than the first time. That's awesome. Now, okay, so you're a black woman having children. Mm-hmm. We're in Georgia and statistics are what they are where the odds are not always in black women's favor. Um, I loved hearing how you said you told your provider what it is that you needed, what you wanted, and how it was going to feel safe and secure 
for you, what other things do you feel like you did to kind of make this work in your favor and for you to feel like I'm going to come out alive, I'm going to be safe, my baby's going to be safe? Mm -hmm. Um, Because a lot of women, specifically black women, may not always Mm -hmm. know oh, well, I can tell my provider that this is the experience I want for a C-section or I can, you know, have a birth plan mm-hmm. or this is how I can feel grounded through this. What are some other things that you did? Well, you know, to backtrack a little bit, and this, I don't want this to sound ignorant, but before I got pregnant, especially um, the first time, I didn't realize the black maternal rates. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't realize how um, we were treated mm-hmm. um, or not treated in the medical space of um, being pregnant and labor. Like I was very oblivious to that. And maybe because, you know, I wasn't pregnant or anything like mm-hmm. that. So I didn't even realize that in the first set of, of the first time of my pregnancy, mm-hmm. like I was not oblivious. Like I need to be more, I need to speak up. I need to make sure my husband's more present. I need to, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that it was um, only until like my second pregnancy and me, um, after being a mom and just kind of being in these moms groups and listening to uh, a, a podcast and things like that, well, I started being cosmic like, oh, wow. So moms, black moms have lesser a chance of surviving mm-hmm. um, having a baby. Like we're near death every time like we actually have a baby, whether it's vaginal, cesarean, whatever. Like I'm going under the knife. Mm-hmm. So I think that made me more hyper aware for my second time to make sure that I was more in the driver's seat, that my husband understood what was going on, that my mom understood that what was going on. Um, and, you know, I think research for me just looked in the way of talking to other moms who may have not um, had the best experience um, just through my mom's group, just hearing like they treated me like this and just hearing, you know, um, their experience and kind of taking those out of it. And then, you know, I I know this is different for every healthcare system. Um, the healthcare system that I had my baby in was Emory. Mm. And one thing I like about Emory is that it's a school as well as a hospital. So mm-hmm. they're always performatively learning. And I remember the second time I went in, I was like, is there any black woman doctors on your team? Mm. Um, so my first appointment and most of my appointments was with the, the black woman doctor on their team. There was like maybe three of them, but one that could see me mostly. And I for the first appointment, I was really candid with her. I was like, you know, I am just newly aware of how um, we are affected and not treated, you know, in this space. And she was like, yeah, and this, that, and that. And I was like, I just need you to be real with me through this whole pregnancy. Mm. Um, I had a great, you know, I didn't have any real issues on my first pregnancy, but I just want to make sure like someone can be real with me. And what resources can you give me to make sure that I am doing my research to understand how I can come out of this thing alive yeah, and how I can co- my baby can come out with the best chances. So I think just being very, 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 very aware of the communication that you have with your um, doctor is important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had a doctor because they always rotate at Emory. I had a doctor that I did not like at all. Mm. To this day, my husband knows. So he's like, every time we, we win, he was like, do not have Dr. So-and-so because my wife does not like them. The first meeting we had, it was just a very, not what I felt like this person was going to advocate for me and my child. We didn't have the same views. Not to say that 
person is a bad doctor. You're just not the best doctor for me. Yeah. And also recognizing that, like, I don't want this doctor to service me. Yeah. Putting that on the file. And to the point where when we would come in, they would have the, it would have a, I made them put a pop-up note. Like, ah, this doctor that is can't good. service me. I yeah. don't care if no one other doctor is on call. I will deliver my own baby. Yes. <laughs> so I don't want yes. to. So just being very aware um, of your your intuition, your feelings, and your communication, and also communicating that with your team, your personal team, yeah. your home team, your your husband or your spouse or your partner, um, your mom or whoever is the people that are going to be probably in the hospital room with you or at least in your circle, communicating like this is what I've discussed with my doctor. So if anything goes different, then they need to they need to tell you exactly why this isn't happening if I can't speak up for myself. Um, so I think those things really helped me in the in the second space of um, making sure that I did all I could do to be um, safe, to be healthy, to be healthy post this, mm-hmm. not just during this, but post this. Um, and I think a lot of women don't realize that birthing plan just doesn't start at like, you know, you having the labor and delivery. Mm-hmm. There also needs to be a plan of like, once this baby is outside of me, yes. this is the type of care and this is the type of nurturing that yes. I designed for my child. Yes. And so I don't need you to like stick a pacifier. Like a lot of times we just let, you know, these medical professionals do things and that, I don't think they're doing it out of malice. Right. But I didn't want my children to have pacifiers. Mm-hmm. Like I was very adamant that if I gave, if my child got a pacifier, it would be for me. Yeah. Right. Um, so things like that, as simple as it seems, like you, you really need to have kind of everything until you go home documented for medical professionals to be like, okay, if this happens, we need to explain to Mrs. Foreman why we are doing this to her body mm-hmm. and that to her body. Mm-hmm. So that's the most important thing is communicating and, and, and speaking up for yourself. Right. I love all of that. Um, what was life after birth like? Like after you'd gone home with both of them, what were like that fourth trimester that experience was like for you? The first one was, um, I feel like my first pregnancy sounds very traumatic. Um, the, first one, <laughs> the first one, because, you know, of the emergency cesarean, and I think I, I, I did get a little bit more uh, medicine and drugs that I would have advocated myself for. Mm-hmm. It took me a while to get out the loopiness. Um, and so... That fourth trimester was very much almost like my mom living with me uh. <laughs> because I just wasn't always present. Um, breastfeeding was a big struggle initially. My son didn't latch initially, and I just was like so out of it. I didn't have the energy to think through it and all this stuff. So um, the fourth trimester for my first child was pretty um, rough and aloof. Um, I had a great support system, so I know he was well taken care of, but I only tried to breastfeed for like a couple months and then I was over it just mm-hmm. because it was like, this is not working. Mm-hmm. And um, I went back to work probably real quick because I think for me, not just that I didn't connect to my baby. I loved him. I was so happy to have him at home. I was obsessed with him, taking pictures like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. But um, I think for me, I was very nervous again about losing Ebony. And uh... so I was like, it's fine. You don't want to breastfeed? Cool. I can go back to work, whatever. When I finally got in my fog. So my first, my fourth trimester for my first son was kind of like, it went from a aloof kind of disconnection to like, just trying to hurry up and rush back to me, yeah. which I feel like um, created a real weird space initially for like my son's first year of life. Mm. Um, and then with my second son, after I kind of got over there and I kind of got in the swing of 
things, I guess, ish. <laughs> I got pregnant again. Um, my second son, when, again, I think I was just more hyper aware. And so my, I had a post birthing plan of like, I want to breastfeed this child for six months, which I did. Um, and I didn't put so much pressure on myself for my child to eat organic. Like, I just knew that I was going to be like this mom who's like, I'm going to make his baby food and he's only going to eat from the freshest fruits and berries. And I was like, girl, that is not. I mean, yes, sometimes I am that mom. Sometimes I'm mashing up blueberries, but also sometimes Gerber is the mom. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and both times are fine. Right. Um, so my second time, I was just more, um, more prepared to be a... a a relaxed version of who I thought I was going to be as a mom and not put so much pressure on myself. Um, and I think that's how I was able to be so successful in breastfeeding the way I wanted to this time. I think that's how I was able to kind of transition from a mom to one or two because boy, oh boy, they don't, they don't tell you about mm. the under, under what three when you have, or two under two. Yeah. It's a, it's a thing. It's a, you still have kind of two babies on your boobs. Yeah. <laughs> if you will. Um, so the second time was a little bit easier as far as the fourth trimester, just with me and my son, like mm -hmm. my second son. But I think, um, it was just a little bit more challenging because I had another kid already. Yeah. And so it was just figuring out how to change two sets of diapers mm -hmm. and how to do this and that. But I'm going to graciously, we're in a better space now because they're a little older, but that fourth trimester for the second time definitely was a bit easier than it was for the first time. Gotcha. Now, something that you said that was really important when you were saying how you were rushing to get back to Ebony. So often mm -hmm. mothers can feel like a loss of freedom or mm -hmm. their identity or, or who they was or being able to get up and go to Quick Trip at 2 a.m. if you wanted to mm -hmm. because you could all of these years, you know, these 30 something years before and mm. it's an adjustment. And although sometimes, you know, for some people who aren't single parents, um, they can have a partner that's there. But a lot of the responsibility is on the mom if they're breastfeeding or just whatnot. How how did you not lose yourself or how did you navigate that space? I lost myself like a crazy person. Mm. I think I was trying so hard not to lose myself that I was actually doing the opposite. I was very much losing myself because um, what I what I realize now, and it's so crazy within the last year, people are like, you feel so different. I This 35 to 36, I don't know, y'all, if, if you're younger than 35, the better is coming. Mm. The older I get, the better I feel. Um, but, you know, when I had my kids at 31, 33, I was so used to very much me and my husband just going out like, oh, waking up like, oh, it's four o'clock. I'm hungry like that or just working and having so much pride in the career that I, I had built. Um, I think I ended up losing myself and not realizing that I am not that evident anymore. And that's OK. I'm mm -hmm. a mother of two now and I need to figure out that space. And I think I was trying to figure out how to separate them instead of merge them. Mm, merge. So, Keyword. Merge. Yeah. And it's yes. like, <laughs> we, I worked so hard to be like, no, no, no. Ebony at home is a mom, but Ebony out here is this, you know, and it's like, I, I'm not that girl. I'm not who I, I'm not who I was when I wasn't married. I'm not who I was when I was first married. And that all that is okay. All those different versions of Ebony's are great, mm -hmm. but they're even better when I find a great balance to merge them and make mm -hmm. them work. Um, and so within the last year, like 
that's what people don't realize. Like it, it's not a it's not a race to get back to like a balance. Mm-hmm. And I, and not to say I'm even totally balanced. Like I'm still working on it. But it took me. Let's see. My first son's about to be five in May. It took me just about that time to finally, within the last year, to get to a space like okay. Now that I have really honed in on my like I'm a mom, I'm a wife. Like how does that? correspond with who ebony is now and Mm. just realizing how to fill up my new cup Mm -hmm. so i can pour it into others so Mm -hmm. i think for me it was finding you know kind of like literally look in the mirror and nitpicking on the things that i want for myself and what makes me feel happy Mm -hmm. i think you know last year i realized like you know i was the unhealthiest i've ever been and with all grace in the pandemic i was eating like a happy fool i was drinking i was you know drinking more drinking more wine every day just to be like oh i need to decompress i can't leave the kid so i have to find a way to decompress and so i think i realized like okay, so I need to, you know, figure out a space of healthiness for me. So that was working out, mm-hmm. working out a lot um, where I got to a, like where I can't even like function if I don't work out mm-hmm. at least three or four times mm-hmm. a week now. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a part of me. And I realized that's changed my mindset to now that I feel a little bit better about myself and how I feel and look, then that pours over into my family life and that pours over to my friendships and the friends that, you know, I hang out with or I talk to or however we correspond, those people who need to be in my life will be in my life. Mm-hmm. Like they will gravitate towards me. The universe will make time for the those type of people and conversations. So I think I, I did not do well through motherhood finding myself. Mm-hmm. But now I think I found what I need and what helps me like not just become my old self will become a new better version of myself Love it. that um is probably a little bit like better honestly um than my 31 year old self like yeah. i feel like 36 year old ebony is definitely a more aware and balanced person and is able to accept everything that she is now instead of trying to separate and compartmentalize everything to be like i can still party and I'd be in the club falling asleep. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even want to be here. Who got to the club? Hold on to something that yeah. I don't even want. That was another thing. It's like, what are we actually? What am I actually holding on to? Yes. Because I don't even want to be here. Yeah. Like I literally do not want the speakers blaring in my ear. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be around people. I don't want to smell smoke. I, I I don't even want to be here. But I'm trying to hold on to something that I don't even want anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was just like this is. Mm-hmm. So it was just like finally having to come to Jesus, like, okay, who is Ebony now? What makes her happy now? Mm-hmm. And don't worry about what made her happy five, six, mm-hmm. seven years mm-hmm. ago, because that doesn't even matter. Right. And I think that's what women have to realize is like, it's okay to let your old life like go away yeah. because you probably not even there anymore. Even if you didn't have the kids, like, would you be in the club at 35? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, it's okay to let that go. It's, yeah. it's fine. Now, how I know that working out is a huge piece of self-care. What other things do you do that's just for you and how do you make time for it? Um, so working out for sure. And um, for me, I have made intentional time to um, at least once a week. What made me, what makes me happy, and this is not, I guess, not just for me, but what made me happy or has made me happy is, is making intentional time to spend with my husband. Mm. Because I think in motherhood, you know, 
unfortunately, them husbands get wasted to the side. Them partners who are not the carriers, mm-hmm. I just say, get wasted to the side. And you're just like, I get to you when I can. Yeah. And I realized that, um, you know, the reason why we have these kids is because we love each other. Mm-hmm. And um, what makes me happy is being with my husband as we were before the kids and in that friendship way, like we were, were friends. And so I think one thing is spending intentional time once a week um, with my husband. Breakfast is our jam because we don't get a lot of mm-hmm. night dates, but we drop the kids off. We might take a walk and eat breakfast and it just like intentionally not talk about us being parents and just talking about us being people Mm. that makes me happy um and also just um i think climbing in the career space that i wanted to be in and uh creating a lane that i felt comfortable in really was something that was important to me and i know that's gonna be crazy like that's not relaxing but for me work was always very important um I love to work. I never not want I stay at home. Mom is not my ministry. Mm-hmm. I commend the girls that do that, but it's just not me. And so it was very important for me to have a career that felt like me felt like um, it was constantly pouring into me and now creates the flexibility for me to have my family life and, you know, deal with um, being with my husband and also take spa days if I need to mm. or work out before I go to work and stuff like that. So I think for me, the biggest thing I did, um, and it's not like one pinpointing of a spa day or whatever, was just prioritizing mm. and just making sure that everything that I enjoy doing or every need that I have, I have made time for it. Maybe not every week, but at least enough times for me not to ever do it or ever miss it. So yeah. just prioritizing. That's good. The, the, the last thing that I think is so beautiful to watch is your health and fitness journey on Instagram. And I remember you had this post where you were talking about having looked at yourself and then recognizing where you wanted to be and you mm-hmm. have become so purposeful in your workouts, in your exercise. And I know for a lot of women, they struggle with their postpartum bodies. And mm-hmm. and for a lot of women, they will never have that pre-baby. I will never have my pre-baby body. My stomach mm-hmm. will never look like it did before I had my child, unless I have some sort of surgery. And if I did, it still wouldn't look like it because it would look like I had surgery. But anyway. Intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, it's, it's hard to, for some, for many to like love their body as it is, or to get motivated to do something about it or to give themselves grace, um, because it takes time and it's a journey. How, how did you navigate that? And how did you get to where you are now? So I think my, um, thought process is a little bit slightly different from uh, some moms who were like, you know, I miss my body before my kids. So my body before my kids was never my ideal body. Mm. Um, I never had a really flat tummy. I still don't. I probably never will, and that's fine. But I never just had like a, oh, my God, I miss my old body before my kids. Like, I actually kind of am appreciative that my kids gave me curves Mm. um, because I was just like straight up and down. So I think for me, when I looked at a picture of myself, I was like, this isn't a healthy mom. We had kids a little later in our lives. I know 31 is not old, but you know, when you go to the doctor, you're a geriatric pregnancy at 33. Mm. <laughs> They're like, you're a senior citizen, ma'am. <laughs> um, but I looked at my body like, okay, 
we have had these beautiful boys and boys don't do nothing but get busier and busier and busier. And right now I can't keep up with my children. If I, if they wanted to run up and down the street, I could probably give them one good run. Mm. And that really bothered me. It, of course, I wanted to look differently and look better. That's always, I think, something that people put in the forefront of their mind, whether they say it or not. I wanted to look better. But for me, I think the priority was to be the healthiest version of myself for my children. Because, you know, I thought of it like this, and I was even telling my husband, like, okay, when my kids are at the real age of them going to baseball practice or whatever they decide to do. And when they're like between that 10 to 15 year old range, mm-hmm. I'm going to be well in my forties, almost 50 years old. And so if I can't be healthy now, it's going to be a real struggle to try to get healthy 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. So I need to start the trajectory that allows me to set myself up for success. The older that they get, inevitably and God willing, the older I get Mm -hmm. and I need to still be able to keep up with them. I remember as a joke, I told my husband, and this is no shade to anybody who's an older mom, but (laughs) I was like, you know, have you ever been in high school? When you were in high school, did you have that one friend who had like a really old mom? Mm. We were like, is that your grandmother? And they're like, no, it's my mom. (laughs) She had me later like, you know, and I was like, I'm not saying like, I don't care about looking old, but I don't want, you know, you don't my want to appear. Like, my mom is my grandma. She can't even like bounce the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even bounce the ball, my mom. So I think for me, my health journey just kind of derived, not only just wanted to feel like me again um, in the youthfulness of it, but um, I think it was more so, I think the looks were kind of like third for me. Mm. I think it was more so like, I want to be able to be the mom that my kids deserve Mm. at any age that they are in like even when i'm in my 60s i want to still be able to go and run and do whatever they need me to do Mm -hmm. um and i don't want them to feel shortchanged because i decided not to take the reins on my health and my life um and i said well this is just how my body gonna be and Mm. i'm gonna just do what i'm gonna do Mm -hmm. um because it's it's not it's not their fault you know so i think that's where what makes me at this point not plateau and keep kind of going and finding new ways to strengthen myself and um, get past the plateau when you get to the certain point where your body's used to what you're doing and things like that. Cause I've always been a pretty active person. Mm-hmm. I think this time I, I, I came to the realization that I just need to make sure that I never stop mm-hmm. doing things to make sure that I'm healthy. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where it kind of came from for me. Love it. That's awesome. Good stuff. Well, thank- I mean, if I'm fine in the process, that's fine. I know, right? That's a great side effect. Because <laughs> I love I love that photo shoot you had where you had the orange dress on. Like, So, gorgeous. you know what's so funny about the orange dress is um, people were like, what's your husband? Do your husband like that? That really, really burns my ears. And we were like, what's your husband going to say? People don't realize that I am now so much more conservative than my husband. Mm. Like, my husband like, why you got that long dress on? Like, <laughs> he just is like, especially now since I lost weight. I, Lord, if next time I'm on this podcast and I'm pregnant, uh, I, it wasn't me. <laughs> but, like, when I put that orange dress on, I was like, uh, I think I'm going to have him edit it a little bit. He was like, no, no, you work hard for your body, you do this. And yes. I was like, uh, it's like... I'm supposed to be the one that like, let me show us what's, he's like, no, no, no. 
you need to put these in magazines and all this stuff. But I, you know, I think I, that photo shoot just confirmed for me that I'm just happy. Mm -hmm. Like I can, I can look good. That's fine. But like, I'm like, I worked really hard to look like this. And that makes me like very, very happy. Yeah. Yeah. And you look great. You look great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I am so grateful. So, so people can follow you. Do you still do the Facebook group? Um, yes, that's not technically my group, but it is a group that I contribute to. So, um, the best way to follow me is going to be, um, Ebony's Broadway Experience. Mm. That's my public page. That's my business page. Um, as far as bridal, there's a lot of moms on the Super Podcast, and hopefully those moms get married or renew their vows. But mm-hmm. um, they can definitely find me there. Um, yeah. And then the Facebook group is the Moody Mother. That's ran by my mother. friends. Gotcha. It's an awesome Facebook group. Um, so if you're on there, you find the Moody Mother. You can definitely join on the, those group of women are so supportively crazy, <laughs> but <laughs> they're a big uh, support group that um, I pour into and um, I really enjoy. I'm proud of you, Keisha. Thanks. Uh, like you talked about doing things like this, and you know when you know people as a child, like we were children. We were children. You know them as a child. <laughs> you know people's like, I'm gonna be this, that, and the third, and you're like, sure, you know. <laughs> I'm going to do this. I'm going to marry this person. I'm going to do this, that. You're just like, of course. You, know, you don't know what actually is going to metabolize. But the fact that you done, like went to school, don't you said you're going to do and created successful avenues and businesses, that's super inspiring. Thank inspiring. You. Like, it's ridiculous. Thank you, Ebony. That's so kind of you. Well, Macon, Georgia, girl. I know, no, right? No, Milledgeville. Milledgeville, you got it, right? And it's Milledgeville, so it's- Georgia. Look at you. <laughs> I know. Um, are you still, so you said the podcast is going to be coming back. What's the name of the podcast? So our podcast is, um, F it podcast. Um, F it just like you think it stands for podcast. Um, you can definitely still follow us on Instagram at F it podcast. Um, the podcast will be coming back soon. I'm not going to get no dates because I'm a mother and <laughs> be happy to, but definitely we still contribute to our um, Instagram and any updates will be on there so awesome. you can definitely follow us there okay thank you girl you're welcome thank you